Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. I want to ask you to look with me today in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. Matthew chapter 13. We'll read 24 through 30 and then 36 through 43. Listen very carefully to what Jesus has to say. Verse 24, Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy's done this. The slaves said to him, Well, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers first, gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. Then he gives the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. And then in verse 36, it says, Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, Well, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. And just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. And the Son of Man... He will send forth His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. We are at the continental divide, so to speak, of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was the most complete Gospel, and therefore the early church placed it in front of Mark, even though we knew Mark was written prior to Matthew. But Matthew gives us such a complete picture of the ministry of Jesus and It is so significant where we are today in Matthew 13. We talked about this some when we preached on the four soils. 
But after the four soils, he continued on. As a matter of fact, he gave eight parables in Matthew chapter 13. He had said a few sayings that may be parabolic, but for the most part, this is the first time that he has used parables. We would really have to go back to Matthew 12 to know why, but it was in Matthew 12 that the Pharisees looked at Jesus and made quite an admission. They said, we do know that you perform supernatural works. There is no doubt as to who you say you are. But we believe you are doing these miracles by the power of Satan. And Jesus looked at them and said, what you just did, and I'm of course paraphrasing, you knowing that I really performed these works, you're not even denying that. But for you to give credit to the evil one for the works that I have done is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit of God. And that will not be forgiven you in this age, nor will it be forgiven in the age to come. Now that would just absolutely stop our hearts, but it didn't even stop their mouths. They don't care means nothing to them. The disciples, I'm sure, are pretty staggered by this time. But Jesus then surprises them even more so because He begins to teach in parables. And the disciples are wondering about that. Other rabbis had used parables. Parabol, para is alongside, and balo is I throw. So a parabole in the Greek is something thrown alongside, like two tracks on a railroad track. But it, it is like, well, we have a, a difficult truth here, so well, what if I tell you, well, it's sort of like this, and, and if I'm talking to Brother Bob, I use a farming analogy. Well, he's got that, all right? I, 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 I picked that up. And, and so whatever it is, you take something that is difficult to understand, and you throw something alongside of it that is very easily understood. And then Jesus will go back in some of these parables and begin to thread them together and say, I want to make sure you got the connection. I want to make sure you understand what I meant by tares. And I want you to make sure you know where they came from. And so sometimes Jesus would go back in and he would uh, explain the parables to these disciples. And he says these are not just parables. In verse 11 of this chapter, he says, these are sacred secrets, mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, in Matthew, most of the time, he will say kingdom of heaven. But there is no difference between kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. It's just a way of wording it. And let's see what Jesus says about this. You see, he realizes it's time. The disciples are becoming bewildered by a whole lot of what they are hearing. They've heard the kingdom of God is here because Jesus is here, but boy, for it to have arrived, they thought it would be more overtly visible than this. 
they were expecting Jesus to walk door to door with a flamethrower and just take evil out by the roots and and boy, dare a Roman soldier to even as much as raise a spear. They were thinking that all of that kind of thing would sort of happen and that Israel would be restored to the throne. Have you rejected Israel, God? And Jesus says, like, I didn't reject them. They have rejected me. And then he begins to teach his disciples in these parables and he begins to help them to see That what you are seeing, what's confusing you, what makes you wonder about the kingdom of God is the fact that you don't quite understand it. It doesn't start out like a hailstorm. He'll talk about a mustard seed in this chapter. He says that's very, very tiny. But that mustard seed can turn into a tree. He talks about leaven. He said when leaven works in bread, it won't wake you up in the middle of the night making noise. But when its work is finished, it is complete. And he is telling his disciples, he said, I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is very, very much here. And yes, right now things are quite clouded. And there are those among the sons of the kingdom that are not part of the kingdom of God. And this has caused you a great deal of consternation. But he says, I can tell you, the day will come when I will clear it all up. And I will make a separation and you will understand exactly what the kingdom of God is about. Let me make sure we've got this. Jesus taught us that there's the kingdom of God. And the people that are part of the kingdom of God, king and dumb, dumb is dominion, so he has dominion. There is a king in that kingdom and that king is God. And the sons of that kingdom, the people who have trusted Christ as their Savior and really belong to that kingdom, they still may live here on earth. But they have a whole different ruler, a whole different leader. They spend their money differently. They spend their time differently. Their resources are spent differently. Their mind and their focus and their life is different. Even though they live here among many who have never been and never will be a part of the kingdom of God, If you're part of the kingdom of God, it's not like a secret society. It shouldn't be. But there really is like two kingdoms at work in the world right now. And then there's the kingdom of the world. And they have their God too, maybe more than one. For the most part itself. And oh, there's dominion there too. Some are in that kingdom. they not even here today maybe because, well... Their king came calling. Maybe last night they worshipped a little too long. And today they're not able to come and sit in the presence of a king that they don't yet know. Because they're busy serving the kings of their life. And the dominion that those habits, those problems, those worries, those fears, those addictions, those things in their life have dominated them and they have to serve those things. But... Jesus said it's not easy to compartmentalize all of this. He says those who are in the kingdom of this world are so closely entwined sometime with the sons of the kingdom of God. He says you cannot separate the two. That's a job only for God. Well, let's look at the wheat and the tares. 
He says, to understand the wheat and the tares, disciples, first of all, there is a sabotage that took place, and you need to look at that. A sabotage. He says the sabotage, number one, was deliberate. In verse 28, he said, an enemy has done this. This, this really wasn't that far-fetched in Jesus' day. People actually did that. If you really wanted to get back at somebody, you think about an agrarian culture, a farming culture where life depends on how well the crops come in and, and you could easily die if, if, if there was a drought or some other affliction to the, to the growth of the plants. And, and so in that day, they really would. There was a Roman law against it and it was punishable uh, in a Roman court if you sowed bad seed in someone one's field. Sometimes it would happen. I'm told today in India that it still happens from time to time, that it's quite prevalent, that someone uh, as an act of revenge or hatred would get back at someone else by sowing bad seed in their field. You know, when he says, guys, we've had an enemy visit. We've had an enemy visit. Man, I, I tell you, some of you have probably been through this as well, but if you've never come home to discover that an enemy's visited your house, some things are missing. Something's happened. Someone's been here and they're gone. The, the eeriness of that feeling that, that someone came in here that wasn't supposed to be here and took things that they were not supposed to take until you have lived through that. It's just, boy, there's just a feeling that comes over you. Are they still here? Where are they? Are they outside? Are they in the closet or under the bed? What's, what's going on here? And, and so that's, it's an incredible feeling. And Jesus tells his disciples, he says, there's been an enemy an enemy's visited. That's why this happened. Because they're looking at it thinking good seed, good soil, good field, hard work, should have a good crop. But Jesus says life's not fair, guys. Sometimes an enemy visits. And when his work is done, he leaves destruction behind. So I would just say this to you, Cornerstone, all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't believe everything you hear. We have a liar that goes to this church. And he's here every week. His name is Satan. And he's here all the time. Next time somebody says something to you that they just felt like you, you needed to know. Well, I, I'm not gossiping now. That's the way you can always tell they are about to gossip. Well, I wouldn't say this to anybody, but I, I just felt like I, you weren't there to hear it. And I felt like you needed to know. Be careful what you hear and what you believe. We have a liar that comes to Cornerstone. He's here every Sunday. He's one of the most faithful members we have. Now, I know I told you all the story when I was a younger preacher about making a big deal about, hey, church, we've got a liar in our midst. It was in my second church, and, and boy, they were mean as a snake and hated my guts, and it was a hard, hard church to pastor. But I remember one Sunday night, I told them, I said, we got a liar here, and I'm going to name him. Oh, yeah, you want to get up and walk out the door right now, don't you? But you know then everybody will know who you are. And I said, well, they're going to know who you are because I'm about to call your name. Well, I was talking about the devil, but they weren't quite up to speed yet. 
I just wonder what all of those people had been saying that had almost a cardiac arrest. Don't assume how you saw it's how it is. There's all kinds of things that may be misleading and confusing. There may be things about me that might make you think things you shouldn't and vice versa. Remember, an enemy has been among us, friend. And don't forget that. It was deliberate. Secondly, it's devious. Verse 26 says, the tares then appeared. Well, those, the one that put them there is, is, is already gone. That, that's the way it happens. You rarely ever see him working. He comes and he does his work and then he's gone. But, and it says that he, it, it, it's while men slept and when his work appears, he's nowhere to be found. That's the way sowing seeds of, of division and gossip and, and sowing seeds of, of, of unrest within the flock of God. I can tell you, the one that put the seed there, the one that started the story, the one that started the rumor, the one that caused the division, when you and someone you really love go at it and, and, and have a falling out or whatever, or the church splits, or the pastor is fired, or whatever, when all of that happens, usually the the lying devil that started it all is gone. And then, then his work becomes known. I think that's exactly why in Proverbs 6.19, God said, there are six things that I hate. Hands that shed innocent blood, feet that run swiftly to mischief, all of those things. But then he says, I hate. He, not his hands, his head, his hand, his feet. I hate the one. I hate him. That's what God said. I hate him who sows discord among the brethren. I hate that. Deliberate. It's devious. It's deceptive. He came while the servant slept. I would just say this to you before we move on. I know us as men of God, we want to keep our homes pure and we want to protect our homes. And, and I know that most of us would die doing just that. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. And we live in a really, really wicked world. But I can tell you the real enemy, the enemy that wants to get between us and God, the one that wants to really take us to task as, as born-again children of God, he's not going to come through the front door. He's not going to announce his presence. He might get into your house in all kinds of ways. He might resurrect some feeling that, that's, that's gone unforgiven for years. He can do all kinds of things. He might come in through a little cable, guys. He might come in through the Wi-Fi. He's got all kind of high-tech gadgets nowadays, but... That's how he usually winds up in the middle of our homes. And we're wondering what in the world happened. That's the sabotage. Secondly, the seeds that he planted. He gives a description of them in verse 40 and 41. They're called tares or darnel. Actually, they were called bastard wheat. Uh, would have been how we would have said it in English. In the Greek, it was zizanion. And that zizanion, this, don't try to keep up with all that, but zizanion comes from a Hebrew word, zunim. Zunim is the Hebrew word for tares. 
But zunim comes from another Hebrew word, zanah. I know you're like, man, I'm glad I came. Boy, am I ever going to be on fire for God this week. But zanah, I want you to get to, I want to tell you that in the Hebrew, zanah is not only the word for tares, but it is also the term for committing fornication. Because the tares are somewhere they don't belong, doing something that they have not the privilege of doing. They're living off the goodness of the soil that was meant for the wheat. And with fornication, it is like someone having pleasure in a relationship in which they are not entitled to have it. They're outside the bonds of marriage. They're outside uh, uh, God's design for sexuality. And when you do that, he says that's like tares among the wheat. You are somewhere you shouldn't be doing something you shouldn't do and tares were so deadly to a crop of wheat that they became that became their name now i want to make sure we get this even if we don't get to finish the message today we're not talking about 40 jehovah's witnesses coming in here one sunday morning and getting off a bus and taking over the place oh no it'll hardly be like that it, we're not talking about some of these radical militant God-haters that are spray-painting buildings and burning churches. It, 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 it's, it's, not, it's not that at all. Jesus says you, you can't even tell. As a matter of fact, with Darnell, and we'll talk about this in a second, with tares, it looks identical to wheat. You cannot tell the difference unless you are an expert. And most of the time, you still can't tell until the seed pods develop. It is when it is time to bear fruit that you can tell the difference between tares, which are actually poisonous, and wheat. The pod's a little different color, but you may not know till then. So we're not talking about things we would automatically notice. It might be good things. Now, I, I thought about some good things that we like sometimes that, that subverts the power of the gospel. Things and ideas that, uh, that we get in our minds sometimes that just should not be there. But we think, well, but that's a good thing. That's a harmless thing. Well, maybe it's not. I think about some of those good things, those innocent-looking things. I think about good works. Man, I've been preaching, I, I don't know. I know for the last 10 years I've been on a tear about righteousness is a gift from God. But no matter how much we preach it, I still hear us say things like, well, I, I hope I make it. I'm just doing the best I can. And, and you know my favorite one, oh, so go to Brother Harold Brewer's funeral and say, if he didn't make it, boy, I might as well give up. Well, give up because Harold Brewer is in the presence of God, but not because of anything he did, but because of something that God did in him. He transformed his life and gave him his righteousness as a gift of grace. Yeah, you ought to applaud that. That's an awesome gift from God. But it still seems harmless, does it not? Won't we? I mean, yeah, I know it's all by God's grace, but we ought to work a little, you know? That's what the church at Galatia said. Have you read that book lately? 
It's the only letter Paul wrote that doesn't have a I thank God for you section. He just plumb skipped it. Because what they had done was they were trying to not forsake grace, but add to grace some works of the law. What could be wrong with that? My goodness. Boy, I bet Jesus will really love us if we trust in him. And, 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 but we almost got over the bar ourselves, trying real hard. We'd read our Bible early in the morning, and the angels in heaven would just shout. You could about hear them, couldn't you? Doing that daily devotion, and, and you took that puppy home that time, and all that. Oh, my goodness, you are a Christian. You're a super Christian. What could possibly be wrong with adding some works to what God's already done? Show us some a little appreciation. Paul says, when you start adding works, you've nullified grace. He says, it's either all works or it's all grace. And when you mix the two, neither one's worth a dime. Man, that's a powerful truth. Good works, boy, that can creep into the church. I, I'd say the good book. I, I, I hope I don't make anybody mad. I'm really, I know you're thinking, you never worried about that. Well, I'm getting sweeter. I found out I may live longer, and so I started trying to behave better, okay? There's people, boy, they can talk about the Bible, and when they talk about the Bible, you know which one they're talking about and all of that. I, I'm, I'm just saying, read whichever translation of the Bible you like. I will tell you this, God did not re-inspire His Word in 1611. I can just go ahead and tell you that. I couldn't from the Hebrew because I don't well, know it well enough. But every Sunday, if you wanted me to, I could preach. Uh, I'd have to work on it some during the week. But I could preach every week in the New Testament directly from the Greek. But I can tell you, there are people that don't want to hear from the original Greek. They got their Bible. They like their Bible. They even call it my Bible. I know what my Bible says and blah, blah, blah. All of that's great. I don't care. People ask me, which Bible translation should I get? I said, whichever one you will read. I was hauling it around in your hand and swinging it in the air and telling everybody that this is the Word of God. It's not going to do any good unless it's in your heart and you're reading and living by it. We could go on. Good beliefs. There are people that got good beliefs. They believe we're all God's children. Oh, Lord, in the end, I don't believe God's sending anybody to hell. I believe that, you know, everybody's just, we going to, somehow or another, God's going to work all of that out. Those are good beliefs, and I know people that hold to them, but they're heresy. But they look so much like the real thing till it's kind of hard to tell. Good people. You talk about people being good. You know you're judging when you say that. When you say, oh, so-and-so, he's got a good heart, you're passing judgment. You don't know if his heart is good. We think we're only judging when we say his heart is wicked. You don't know his heart. Stop judging him. Jesus told us to not do that, remember? Good feelings. Oh, man, sometimes we get those emotional toxins going about things that really, I can just tell you, take away from the true power of the gospel. Those good feelings it might be, hey, preacher, I was saved in an old-fashioned altar. Hey, I love old-fashioned altars. I've been in several of them myself. But you can get saved in a new-fashioned altar. Did you know that? 
Did you know getting baptized in a river don't make you more baptized than somebody that gets baptized in this thing? Did you know that? I got baptized in the Jordan River. You see how little that helps, right? I got baptized in the Jordan River. And it was such a spiritual experience. Me and some of the guys from the business department at Gardner Webb went swimming after that. Shouldn't swim in the Jordan River. What's a river? It's 100 degrees. We went swimming. I'm just saying to you, all of those things, I tell you right now, I like that old-fashioned music preacher, or I like that old-fashioned church, or I like a church that, boy, makes me feel right at home. We need to forget about all of that and say, God, I want to be in a church that makes you feel at home, God. And I don't want to romanticize about a period of time in the past that was more simple. I don't want to create a museum to the good old days out of my church because that's not my house. That house is God's. Moving on, the description of the seed, the disclosure of the seed. He says in verse 30, allow both to grow together until harvest. See, that's when it happens. When it's time to bear fruit, that's when you always know. You always know when it's time to bear fruit uh it's it's so frustrating sometimes because some seem to do so well until it's time to have to bear the fruit of the spirit and if the spirit of god is not living in you you're not going to be able to do it because one it's not your fruit it is the fruit of the spirit and the spirit of god has to be living in you and i can tell you a lot of people can sail right along in a lot of our churches for years and years some of them all their life and die lost without christ and that's so sad but i can tell you what if you get involved in ministry it's going to take some love and joy and some peace and some patience and some kindness and some goodness and some gentleness and some faithfulness and some self-control and all nine of them are in the book of galatians and when you boy you you might be going you know what i was really doing well until that day i needed patience (sighs) and you found out you were fresh out did you not you left church good lord and got to the light down here and just as the green one just barely had a just a half a volt in it. It wasn't even lit yet. It was just about to come on. Somebody behind you sat down on a horn. Oh boy. Now you feel like you just lost something that maybe you didn't even have. Because <laughs> you don't lose your religion. If you lose it, don't worry about it. It, it wasn't helping you much anyway, was it? You beat that guy's brains out at the red light. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm just telling you something, friend. When it's time to bear fruit, when you need to love somebody that doesn't love you, when it's time to have peace, when all the circumstances in life are all backwards, that's when you're going to need the Spirit of God living in you. And that's when you're going to find out what's really going on in here. When it's time to be kind, That word kind in the Greek means that you have the authority to fly in someone's face. You have the the right, good word, you have the right to be able to tell somebody to get it straightened out. They hit your car. 
They're the ones that opened the door on you. Or they're the ones that started the rumor. Or they're the ones that said whatever. It wasn't up to you. And, but now you, you can, boy, you got it. It's like, well, I feel firm, man. I am about to rip their head off and God's going to be okay with it because they started it. That's the word kindness. It's being kind when others haven't been. Man, you could go through that list faithfulness boy our churches is it not something else every week begging people to come pleading with people to come is it too hot we'll turn it down it's too cold turn it up music too loud we'll turn that down so well some churches do but whatever it is we danced and danced and tried our best to get people to be faithful and not gonna be not until the one called the Holy Spirit lives in them. That's the source of faithfulness, not just to church, but to everything. The sabotage of the seeds. Thirdly, the servants. The servants, their situation was a little bit perplexing. In verse 27, the slaves of the landowner came and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does... It have tares. How in the world can this be? This doesn't seem fair. Boy, that's, I love that word, how. How in the world could something like this happen? How, how, how do these things go on? Again, Jesus has announced the kingdom of God is here. Okay, Jesus, we got that. The kingdom of God is here, but there's so many bad things that are happening. The Pharisees jerk you around all the time. We've seen you a couple of times. You just uh, really miraculously had to dismiss yourself and, and to get out of the crowd to keep them from stoning you. Matter of fact, one time Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and he stopped off in Samaria. And I forgot the exact passage, but the, uh, the Samaritans didn't welcome Jesus. And the disciples, uh, they said, do you want us to call fire down on them? It's almost like they had these little fire gadgets he gave them, and they hadn't got to use them yet. I can put some pyrotechnics in there, Lord. Huh? I got it on high. They're like, what is wrong with this picture? How can the kingdom of God be here? There's so much wickedness right in our presence, God. How do bad things happen to good people? I love R.C. Sproul's answer to that. He said, well, so far there's only been one good person. Don't you hate answers like that? So far there's only been one good person, and that was Jesus. How can this happen? They're perplexed. Secondly, their situation's precarious. And he said to them, an enemy's done this. And the slave said, do you want us to go and rip them out? And he said, no, because they're so intertwined with the wheat, you rip up some of the wheat with them. They're so deeply rooted that even the, and, and they're so well disguised. It says that even the most expert farmer could not always tell the difference until they would bear fruit. But no, he says, don't go and rip them out. You, that's not your 
That's not your job. That's not what you are to do. We are to plant the good wheat. That's what we're to be about. And I'm not talking about areas of church discipline and things like that. That is a total, total different ball of wax. But when it comes to trying to figure out who is who, man, I'm telling you, it's a sense of relief when you realize that, yes, God, we've got wicked people that come to our churches every single week. Sometimes they just shock us all when they really show everybody in the church who they really are and what they're about. When it came time to bear fruit, they were not able to do it. Their life was a disaster. It hurt the church. It hurt the name of the church. And yes, the world says the church is full of hypocrites. And yes, they are exactly right. And that will burden your soul, friend. But Jesus says, you need to let that alone. That's not your department, Mike. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. Sabotage the seeds of servants. Last of all, the separation. Two things. Three things. One, there's a delay. He says in verse 30, allow them to grow together until harvest. And in the harvest time, I will say to the reapers, gather up the tares, bind them in bundles, and burn them up. Well, this is a call for patience. <laughs> it's tough. I know I've already kind of got into this point, but I'm just telling you it's tough. The church on this earth will always be a mixed community, friend. And you're going to go to peop- church with people that you can't make them saved, friend. You just can't do it. Only God can save them. And just because you want them to be saved, that's not going to make it happen. They're going to be lost people mixed in with God's people until the Lord separates the two groups. It's always going to be like that. It's going to be tough. And sometimes we're going to be like these disciples. We're going to be like this man's servants. How in the world can this be? We preach the truth here. We try to glorify God here. We try to follow the Word of God here. Man, we try to be faithful to what God leads us to do. How in the world? When I look back on just the history of Cornerstone Fellowship, man alive, what an awesome ride this has been. God's been so good to us and blessed us in so many ways, but... We went through some tough times too, did we not? People shocked us. People gave us a horrible name. People did things we never dreamed they'd do. People we put faith and confidence in, gave authority to, turned out to not be who we thought they were. It's frustrating, isn't it? There's a delay, he says... One day I'll take care of it. There's a division. He says, allow them to grow together, and one day I will separate them again. Verse 30. One of the things that I don't think people understand about Christ is he is not the great uniter. He causes division. And he warned us of that. He said, I'll cause division between the dearest relationships you have, between mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and brothers and sisters. Following me won't bring everybody together for a group hug. It will divide. And one of these days, he says, I am really going to cause the division because I am going to separate the sons of the kingdom of the world from the sons of the kingdom of God. Big separation. Ah. You ever think about 
What if progressive Christians had written the parables? I know you're like, no, I've never thought about that. Rocks and the soul. The first parable about the four souls. Boy, the hard soul and the rocky soul and the thorny soul got together with the good soul and they all mixed their souls and we had one big happy field. Golly, Bill. It's not what Jesus said. He says when the Word of God hit the ground, it divided that field into four distinct areas. Man, I think some people would have probably, in progressive Christianity, said, hey, no need to be so hard on the tares. Let's pass a law that for every grain of wheat you plant, you've got to plant a certain amount of tares. That way all the fields can be even. They're God's plants too, Preacher Mike. I can just tell you, sometimes Jesus causes division. I hate to say it, and I hate it when it happens. Some of the best friends I ever had in my life. I no longer am able to attend church with them. We never call. We never go out to eat. The fellowship is broken and God says it has to stay broken. I don't treat them badly. I was honest with them. But I've lost some people in my life that I love dearly. The problem about being a pastor is most of your friends are church members. I don't have a lot of friends outside this place. I know it's hard to believe. You're my friends. And when one of you decides I'm a tear and always have been, it rips the roots out of a lot of people's heart, especially mine. Last of all, the delay, the division, the destruction. We want a just God. And we've got one. He says, one of these days, those that have not trusted me as their Savior. Oh, maybe they had good beliefs. Maybe they meant well. Maybe they could find the silver lining in any person on earth. Maybe they loved church, they romanticized about it. was there every Easter for sunrise service. Never miss that Christmas Eve candlelight. Oh, just such an ambiance in there. And you can love all of that. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please understand one day, He's going to separate those who do from those who don't. We want to just God, we say sometimes. But that's when the guy who, I don't know how much you watched the news, just yesterday I saw, I think, guy was a race car driver of some kind of guy that just covered in all kind of gangster foolishness just walked up to him at a gas station stabbed him to death man that just makes my blood boil 
I think about Ukraine and what's going on there with Vladimir Putin. But boy, if you studied history, do you remember what Adolf Hitler did to those people in Ukraine? My goodness. Bobby Yar. The millions he starved. I want us just God. You know what I mean? When I see that, do you ever see things and your blood just boils and you're like, man, I'm telling you one day he's going to stand before God. He sure is. See, here's the problem with a just God. He's always just. So he looks at me and he says, you are a worthless sinner, son. And you deserve nothing but hell. See, we don't get to turn that on and off. Oh, I'm okay. I got some justice here. I want to lay a little on this situation. We don't want God to be just when it's our kid on drugs. and We don't want God to be just when we've done something that messed up our life. We want God to be just those really mean people though, right? Since we don't know where to draw the line, God is always just. So I'll tell you this, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never said, God, I know you died for my sins. I know you died on the cross, and I want your death to pay for my sinfulness, God. I want to receive the righteousness that you have, that 100% perfect righteousness, God. You made it available to me through the cross, and I want to receive that into my life. And I don't want to live another day trying hard on my own to be something I can never be. God, I want to receive your righteousness as a free gift of grace right now, God. Unless you do that, and I can tell you one day, God's going to still be just. He loves us. And He wants us to have a relationship with Him. If you want that, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm not going to make it easy. I'm not going to just lead us in a prayer and say, repeat this or that or whatever. No. Right now, with eyes closed, head bowed, Maybe you'd just like to say, God, I'm so tired of trying on my own. Maybe you'd just like to say to him right now, Lord, I didn't even know until it was time for some peace and patience and love and kindness, God, my heart is as wicked as it's ever been. I want you to transform me, Lord. I want you to do something for me that going to church didn't do. Do something, God, in my life that hanging out with Christians hasn't done. Transform me, God. I want to be a part of your kingdom. Tell him that. You can use whatever words you like. Tell him that, Lord, from now on, my calendar and my checkbook are yours. I belong to you, God. I want to give myself to you right now, Lord. I don't care where you send me. I don't tell anymore. I'll be told, God, I'm yours. I'm surrendering myself to you, God, right now. 
I know most will not do it. Jesus tells us that in His Word. He says most in this world will never, ever become children of the King. Many find the way that is broad that leads to destruction. Few find the way that leads to life. Maybe this morning you'd just like to say, God, I want to be one of those few right now. I need you, God. Lord, I come to you right now. I pray for every person here. I pray, Lord, for these dear saints that I know love you. God, we get so perplexed sometimes. It does seem like that Maybe sometimes your kingdom ought to be a little louder than than it is. And sometimes, Lord, there's so many of us that we've walked through places, some far worse than me, Lord, but they've heard your silence. They cried out, God, but you didn't seem to say anything. Lord, they thought just maybe there would be more to it by now than it is, God. It seems you've been quiet for a while. I pray you'd help us, God. Don't let us get discouraged. Help us to know, Lord, like the leaven and the bread. One of these days, the whole world will know that you have quietly taken over. God, we just ask you to help us. And oh, Lord, I pray right now for maybe someone here today that they, they heard things today they never heard in their life. They had no idea about being saved. They thought, going to church was it God I pray right now you'd help them Lord I pray you'd help them to know you want to be their savior help them Lord to understand what it means to surrender their heart and life to you God in Jesus name we pray Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.